Hey, welcome back. It is Wednesday, March 3rd. It's the Ohioan. I'm here with Craig. I'm brand new under the weather right now. Uh, Craig, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. You feeling better? Yeah. Excellent. 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 Well, um, yeah, lots going on today, <laughs> as it seems to be always. Um, check out our interview segment. We had Megan Henry on. Um, Craig, she's part of the Four Timers Club. Uh, I think back to Science Live, you give him a sports jacket. I don't know if we can give yeah. him a sports jacket, but we got to give her something. But yeah, Megan was on. She Her um, beat got transferred at the uh, Columbus Dispatch. Uh, she was working in healthcare. Now she's working covering education, K for 12. Uh, so she had a good story out there about how some of the Columbus suburban schools were also coming back after COVID-19 and some of the stuff they're going through. So it was very good. Uh, so check that out. As always, there's a lot of other stuff on the podcast. Um, I got to talk to Craig for a minute after we're done. We've got two partnership opportunities that we're negotiating right now, which we're really excited about. So lots of positive things happening. Thank you, as always, for checking out our sponsors. Uh, thank you for subscribing and sharing with your friends. Keep it up. Uh, we really see it in like, the people... Uh, that listen every day, and we're, and we're excited. Thank you. Um, as I always say, there's a million other podcasts to listen to. There's, a, you know, a million other TV shows to watch. But thank you for investing part of your time into listening to us every day. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Well, as always, there's a ton of stuff going on. I know it seems like we talk about COVID a lot, but COVID was really in the news yesterday. So just wanted to go through some of the stuff that was happening with COVID. Hang on a second. Um, kind of interesting. Uh, yesterday, uh, they had new health orders, and uh, we're getting a little bit more up to capacity on uh, some of the sports arenas and entertainment. Uh, they're saying uh, about 25 to 30% capacity that you can have right now. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets last night could play a game to beat Detroit. I think they had 10% capacity. Uh, they were a little unclear on what the rule was, so they were saying, "Hey, we're going to do ten percent capacity for now." I don't know. I'm, I've got mixed feelings about it. I've always seemed to be more on the conservative side when it comes to COVID, but I don't want to tell people, other people, not what to do. And uh, there's some times in my life where I've kind of dipped my toe in it a little bit, um, and you know, maybe this is sports way of dipping your toe and. Yeah, they're not forcing me to go. You can watch the games on TV if you, you're not there in person. I mean, what do you think about this? Well, you know, the, I think the first thing we all want is to, to be safe. And I think, you know, we've seen a, a nice dip in numbers, although we still have cases every day. We still have deaths. Um, I did watch the game last night. I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan, so I watched the game last night. Obviously, didn't care for the outcome, but... You know, it was it was fun to see fans get back into the arena and be able to cheer their team on without having someone having to pipe in the, the crowd noise or, you know, make up, you know, fake sounds for, for a goal being scored, things like that. Um, I, I think there's a way, if we're going to do outdoor, you know, a, a arenas and venues, I think there's a way that we can do indoor facilities like Nationwide Arena you know, I don't know if it's worth the risk if it's me, if I'm saying, yeah, I want to go to a game. Yeah, I'd love to go to a game. I'd love to go to a movie. But right now, it's just not really, you know, the, at the top of my list. Now, for some people, 
they want to do that. They want to get back into the arenas, you know, whether it's indoors or stadium outdoors. And that's fine. I mean, we were seeing the Browns and Bengals have, you know, limited capacity, you know, really at the heart of our, you know, multiple thousands of, of cases per day. And we were still having fans in the seats. And I know it was outdoors and it was easier to control. But I, I think this is a logical step to see how it goes. And, you know, I think at 20%, that's not the end of the world. I think you can still space people out. I know a lot of other NHL teams are doing this. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't know if it's a great idea, but I think, you know, we've seen the trends going downward. People are wearing masks. I don't know how they really control people on the concourse when they're out getting food or drinks or whatever, or coming in and out of the arena. But I'm sure they, you know, the Blue Jackets or any other team, you know, whether it's the Cavs that may do it or whatever, I'm sure that they have a system down where, you know, it'll get better over time. But, you know, I think it's worth a shot to try and, and you know, see how how this kind of goes. Yeah, and it's 25% if you're indoor arena, 30% if you're outdoor arena. And they're saying it applies to stadiums, arenas, theaters, and other entertainment venues. So, you know, you got to think, too, of like a concert or maybe a, um, right. you know, a play or anything else like that. So, yeah, it, no, I tend to agree. And, and I like the fact... I mean, I've been this way throughout this whole pandemic is you've got to allow, I, I think the best places, the best rules and everything, allow where everyone can take part. Like, I think about churches and everything. I think churches who are doing it wrong aren't being proactive enough to let people watch stuff online and everything. Um, I, I think you've got to understand that there's some people who are chomping at the bit that say, hey, it's my life. You know, I guess I'll wear a mask, but I will get to as soon as possible. You can profit, or those people can enjoy your group or your business, whatever the case might be. But also, you have people that say, hey, I don't know if I really want to go out and risk it. Well, let them enjoy it. So, like like we talked about the Blue Jackets, you know, hey, you can watch a game on TV. You can listen right. to it on the radio if you want to. So, it's not like anyone's being shut out. And you're right. I mean, they're, they're dipping their toe in, and I, I guess you got to, because if not, when would you ever bring fans back? You know, I mean, do you wait 10 years? You know, what's the case might be? So I like the fact you're dipping your toe in. I'm hoping there's a way of tracking it, you know. So if, God forbid, there's there was like, you know, 100 people got COVID last night, the Blue Jackets game, hopefully there's a way you could track it. Not to penalize the Blue Jackets, but just more to say, hey, because this happened, this doesn't work. You know what I mean? So right. hopefully there's a way of tracking that. But – you know, Blue Jacks are at ten percent. They're capping at twenty five percent. I like that. I mean, you're dipping your toe without going crazy. Now, I didn't send you the link, but there are a couple states, namely Texas, that are like, "Hey, let's eliminate all rules." They pretty much said right. no more mask mandates and everything else. I think that's crazy because we don't know what will happen, and it doesn't right. matter what sides of politics or health orders you're on. You know. It, it might be a good idea. It might be a horrible idea. So I, I like the fact of let's dip our toe in before we just jump all in. Yeah, and I think the University of Alabama announced that they're going to be back to full capacity at Bryant-Denny Stadium in the fall, which, you know, you're talking over 92,000 people, which that might be a little premature. But, I mean, Alabama has decided that they want to go full full throat here and 
in August, and and that's their prerogative. I, you know, it, it's hard to know. You know, I mean that that announcement probably, you know, comes at the right time. With you know, I think President Biden said he'd like to have a, a shot in everybody's arm by May. I think sometime early yeah. May, which would have been um, a couple of months sooner than than expected. Um, but you know, if 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 shots are in arms by July, then that means that final dose would be in August, which would make sense for people to maybe be able to go to uh, you know Alabama football game or Ohio State football. Um, I think everybody's going to wait and see because we've seen a slower a slower rollout than expected with the with the vaccines. So I don't know that every college football team out there is going to say, yeah, we're at 100% capacity in the fall just because it's it's so far away still that we just don't know but you know we're starting to see those signs and i think that people are you know when the president says you know may or june or july then you the expectation is is that you know that's going to come through so hopefully it does because if it does then maybe we start seeing more normalcy you know in sports and in life in general well you know so that's a smart thing yes to do anyway i mean <laughs> We talked about this before. I have family members going, hey, what's going to happen? What can we do this month or anything? I'm like, I don't know. You know what I yeah. mean? It could be great. I mean, it could be horrible. You don't know. I mean, you know, we're in a society that likes to make plans early, and I think that's good. But I think to their credit, you know, who knows right now? And, you know, before we start making fun of the South and Alabama, Ohio State hasn't totally announced what they're doing Ticket-wise, well, they're doing that because it's the exact same thing. They're like, hey, you know, if it gets much better by the fall, yeah, it would be nicer, not just from a, a crowd experience standpoint, but from a making money standpoint, to have a sold-out stadium then right. you know, 10% or no fans or whatever the case might be. So, yeah, I, and again, I'm like, I mean, I tend to be on the conservative side where I say, hey, let me just stay inside the rest of my life. It'll be great. But I think overall, hey, let's the Proton see, see where it's at. And kind of slowly ramp our way up. Where, hey, if if it gets better, it gets better. But I I would still make the argument, and I think the mask order calls for this for people to wear masks and other stuff too. I mean, it shouldn't right. be, you know, go rub, you know, touch everything in the stadium or everything. I mean, let's still wear a mask and everything. And I still think once things ramp up, you should still wear a mask. That's what troubles me about the Texas thing because, hey, if they want to open stuff up, I guess it's a right. But you guys still have some type of limitation to say, hey, we need to wear a mask if you're out in a Phillips Stadium. Yeah, that's that was a little extreme. I saw that you know that tweet from Governor Abbott. At first, I thought it was like a fake tweet, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just removing all the health orders and just kind of going back to the way things were, like maybe a year ago from now, it just wasn't it might be a little premature for that. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see what their numbers look like and maybe they will be the poster child for if it works or if it doesn't work by having some of their restrictions or all of their restrictions off. Well, it's easy to mock, but you're right. I mean, hopefully it works, but I'm hoping it doesn't go the other way. And you got to go out the other way. I mean, everybody out there listening and you and I, we all have our like two things that frustrate me. I mean, my mom is living in, a place where we can't visit her right now because of COVID. So right. I, I'm like, man, you know, it, once these get lifted, it'd be great to see mom again. Well, so in some ways it's encouraging to see the, the restrictions ease, hoping they go okay because if they go the other way, you know, I might not see mom for a long time, you know, so. Right. Yeah, it's very interesting to watch. I mean, it's 
comforting to see some of this stuff happening. Hopefully, it's done the right way. And I, you just gotta trust people to be able to do that. I guess, you know? right? Absolutely. All right. Um, also, too, um, <laughs> I I feel a little weird bringing this up because I actually wrote the story, but um, I'll we're gonna share a link to a list of people who can get the COVID vaccine here in Ohio. I, I think it's important because we don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, th there's been one B phase rollout, one C phase rollout, and there were some questions of who can get it and who can't. And I'll tell you, it took me, we took like an extra half hour than we probably should have on the story because we wanted to double check with like three or four different writers in our group to make sure we had the information right. Um, it, it's funny, um, Craig, I, you know, I was looking at the list of health conditions that you're allowed to get the vaccine for. And I thought I had a master list. And then I talked to Jackie Borchert yesterday, who's our uh, state house editor, um, you know, for the dispatch inquiry. And she's like, oh man, here's another list. <laughs> she dropped on like a list of 50 other conditions you have. So. I would encourage you guys to check out the list. I think it's good uh, to the effect of, I know there's a lot of questions out there about who can get it and who can't, and hopefully that list provides a, a better service. I don't know, Craig, we're younger, and, uh, you know, we, you know, I know we're not in the greatest of health, but we don't have that health condition. But I, I think it's a helpful list for families who want to say, hey, when when is it our time? When can we get the vaccine? Uh, I guess the more information out there, the better. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a, it, it's, it's never fun when these lists come out and then they get amended or, or things get added or things weren't put on there. And you'd like to have just when these things roll out, just a nice master list from the, from the state, this is what, you know, who's on it. And it's never fun when you have to ask someone, Oh, is there anything else on here? Is this all, or, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. I don't think from the state's perspective to, to get all this out there, but you know, I'm assuming that they're working on these lists in advance and they're working with scientists and doctors on, you know, what conditions need to be treated first and foremost and things like that. So, you know, you'd like to see the rollout of the list be a little bit, you know, more uniform and everybody has the same list and this is the list to go by and anything else that you see or hear is just not true because that's when you start to see people start to maybe scam people and and say, oh, yeah, well, these people are eligible. And then you get, you know, more people that are, you know, maybe a little bit more upset when they realize that they're not going to get the shot right away or if they try to call and, and schedule something. And then it's like, well, you're not part of this list or this rollout for this phase. And like, well, someone told me I was. Well, who told you? It's, so it's there's a lot of back and forth. And I think it'd be nice to have one master list from from a, from a certain, you know, from the governor's office. That way, there's really no, you know, no way around it from, you know, a scammer's perspective. Well, and our hope, and, and to be honest, what we were kind of excited about with this story, it, it did well on our, you know, analytics yesterday, but we're hoping, too, that we could kind of keep this going because, obviously, as time goes on, more people are going to be added. And, you know, now, hey, if Dan Tierney was on or the wine was on, they're probably like, Hey, if you go to this one page, I'll tell you exactly who's eligible. Well, we're having a hard time finding it, to be honest with you. Right. So we're we're excited about this just because we say, hey, hopefully this is a resource not just for yesterday's news cycle, but for upcoming news cycles. 
just to have that one place where people can go. So, hey, if you check out any Gannett papers, expect to see this list kind of uh, in future dates too, as you know, more people get added to who can get vaccinated, who can't. So, yeah, Man, this well, is oh. Yeah, you go. Well, right. and there are, you know, there are people that don't have internet. And, you know, I know that it's easy to say, well, go to the, you know, coronavirus dashboard or go to the, you know, the, the state's website or the coronavirus, you know, dashboard in Ohio to get the list of people. But, you know, they have to realize, too, that there are people that do not have internet access, as, as crazy as it may sound to some people. There are still people that just don't have internet or they don't have good internet. And, you know, there are, you know, that's why we, how often have we been talking about broadband expansion and, and internet access? You know, that's, that's a real thing. It's, it's not as, you know, it's, it's common. Everybody sort of has access to internet, but not everybody has it or not everybody can afford internet. So, you know, hopefully they, they try to get the word out on these things a little bit more because I think some people may want the, you know, vaccine that may not realize that they're eligible yet because they don't have access to the internet or they don't, have a chance to watch the governor's, you know, you know, bi-weekly press conferences. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we do, we all do what we can. So yeah. it, it, it'll be interesting. I, I was just kind of chuckling because it feels weird because usually we have people on to talk about their stories, but I'm not talking about my own story. So I'm not put on there. So it'll be good. Hey, I'm available for other Ohio podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you want to book me to talk about my big, journalistic work from yesterday. So it should be exciting. All right. Um, hey, I thought this was interesting. And I, I know you're more of a baseball guy than I am, uh, Craig, but I, I thought this was good. Um, Mike Leak, who is a above-average pitcher, I mean, I, I don't think you would talk about him when you talk about maybe like the top five pitchers in yeah, baseball right. today. But he, he saw it. I mean, I think most teams would like to have him on their uh, sure. pitching staff. Well, Mike Leak made some news. Um, in all the sports, you're allowed to opt out if you want to. Uh, baseball, we heard some guys who did that last year. Football, we saw some. I'm not sure about hockey or basketball. I mean, I think you're allowed to opt out if you wanted to. Right. I really haven't heard publicly about many opt-outs or maybe or opt-out of a noble person. Well, Mike Leak opted out last year. I mean, you just say, hey, I'm not comfortable moving forward and everything. Well, Mike Leak is the biggest name and maybe the only name uh, to have opted out baseball season. This will be his second straight year of opting out. He is leaving his options open. He's like, I'm just not comfortable with what's happening right now. Um, and not that he's angry. He just says, hey, I don't feel super safe. I'm, I'm not sure if I want to do this. Uh, he's leaving himself open that, to maybe join the team later in the year. Um, you know, Craig, I, I, I think this is good. I, I don't know how I would react if I was a baseball player. And I'm not saying yay Mike Lake, Mike Leak or boo Mike Leak. I, I just think it's interesting that, you know, we always talk about, hey, what will you make a stand for? Well, Leak feels strongly about this and, hey, you know, I applaud him for taking a stance, hard to take a stand for anything. And it's good that he's got the courage to stand for what he, what he feels about this. Yeah. And, you know, he's actually not the only one that's opted out. Uh, he, uh, Ian Desmond, oh. the Colorado Rockies uh, utility yes. player also okay. opted out, which it may be a little bit even more interesting than, than Leak, who uh, is a free agent, but uh, Ian Desmond's under contract with the Rockies 
and obviously he's well within his rights to opt out and everything. But, you know, he left uh, a little over $5 million on the table last year. And actually this year he's leaving about $8 million off the table uh, for his salary that he will not collect now that he's opting out. So, um, you know, some of these guys are, are taking a stand and saying that it's just not good enough. It's not what they want to do. And, you know, there's been um, a couple of people in the NBA that have done it that I can I can't think of off the top of my head. But I know that there's been a few people. Um, so, you know, good for them for for saying, you know, it's not worth it or, you know, they'd rather be with their family or whatever it may be, because some people are going to believe that the league and, you know, the players associations and all their sports have created a safe haven for them to be able to play while others feel like maybe it's not so safe or maybe they you know like the uh, the, the the thing with the Cleveland Indians last year where um, you know Mike Clevenger had gone out in Chicago and and sort of really not told anybody when he wasn't supposed to and he came back and you know got into some issues and um, you know ended up getting traded by the Cleveland Indians because you know that you know they had uh, Carlos Carrasco on the team who was a cancer survivor who certainly could have been impacted by someone like you know, Clevenger or whoever else on his team going out when they weren't supposed to and contracting COVID and maybe spreading it throughout the clubhouse. And, you know, the Indians traded Mike Lee or um, uh, they traded you know, Clevenger based on that reasoning because he was not a bad pitcher. He was, you know, a good pitcher and the Indians really liked him and he was cheap, but they got rid of him because they just couldn't trust him and people in the clubhouse couldn't trust him. Yeah, and speaking of the Indians, this didn't make our, our show list, but I feel we're not bringing up. Um, Indians made some news yesterday. Um, uh, Mickey Calloway, who is their former pitching coach, um, he went on to the Mets where he eventually became the manager. Um, he, he was out. Um, he There were some reports of with the Mets, he was uh, making inappropriate advances towards a reporter. And, you know, now uh, the Athletic was reporting that not just with the uh, Mets, but back with the Indians and other places, it was a well-known, what do you call it, like a well-known secret, or a, or a secret that wasn't guarded that well, that he was like that, but teams weren't doing that much to stop it. And uh, the Indians are investigating, but, you know, Terry Francona had a press conference yesterday where we said, hey, you know, we weren't hiding anything, you know, and so, so it's interesting, yeah. So lot, lots happening with the Indians, but like you said too, the Clevenger thing. Clevenger's a really good pitcher, and I think Clevenger would have been with the Indians if it wasn't, you know, for that incident last year. So, yeah, and I and I bring that uh, situation up with the athletic story. Um, you know, you talk about making a stand and being courageous, and you know, leaving money on the table because hey, you don't feel comfortable coming back during COVID. Uh, it's interesting to see if anything ever would happen with the Indians based on the South Leg story too. Um, you, you know, there's been times in the past. You look at the Astros cheating scandal where good managers have been let go. I'm not saying Francona should be like, oh, I don't know enough about the situation, to be honest with you, but it'd be interesting to see how the Indians end up handling that situation. Yeah, and he, you know, he, I, we, I won't say the name on, on air, but he had a, a, a really terrible nickname while managing the New York Mets um, in regards to body parts that he would send photos of to uh, female reporters or females in general. And it just begs the question of if that's what his nickname was around the clubhouse, why was he not reported by Mets personnel or, you know, how did this 
you know, get out after the fact rather than something be addressed. If that's what his MO is, is to take pictures of body parts and send them to female reporters or female staff members or whatever, you know, why is this allowed to go down? And obviously the story with the athletic, um, you, you want to trust the reporting. And if they in fact say that sources are saying the Indians knew about, about this well before he took the manager's job in the Mets or, you know, whatever it may be, you just kind of wonder why it was swept under the rug and, if it was, then, you know, changes need to happen. I mean, I, you know, I, I think everybody loves Terry Francona, the manager of the Indians, but if he knew about it or if Chris Antonetti, the GM knew about it, I think people, you know, things need to change. You know, we, that, that it's, you can't allow something like that to go through your, your organization and not, you know, not hold people responsible and accountable for their actions or lack of actions. Well, it's really, that type of stuff's really, tough because yeah i i talked about this a brain yesterday you know treat others the way you want to be treated yourself i mean i think if you do that that could solve a lot of the problems we have about the way you know men treat women how we treat people of different races and everything else i i mean i think that will calm things down i will say that sadly i'm not using this as excuse you know you look at where we're at culturally 20 years ago and where women had to go through a lot more of that stuff. And it was regarded as normal. It was regarded as, oh, this is just the way somebody is. Right. And again, that doesn't excuse it. That doesn't make it right. But man, the culture changed. I, I don't know, um, Craig, if you uh, heard about this, but there's a weird like Twitter thing saying, oh, we got to cancel um, David Letterman. And you say, man, why are we canceling David Letterman? Well, there's been some clips coming out, like uh, the one with... Um, Oh, the name name's escaping me. Um, Is that the Lindsay Lohan? Yeah, yeah, the Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Where, you know, at the time, and I got it, it, we we all have to admit this as a culture. I, I know at the time of Lindsay Lohan, a lot more people were making fun of Lindsay Lohan that were supporting her. So I, I think right. we've changed as a culture. So let, let's just throw uh, David Lerman under the bus. But there was an uncomfortable interview of, with Lohan where he was just pretty much outright mocking her. But there was another one that came out that he was interviewing Jennifer Aniston. And, you know, she had her hair and some curls or whatever. Well, he, he ended up saying half the interview talking about her curls, and he ended up putting one of her curls in his mouth. <laughs> it's just like, what are you doing, buddy? You know? Right. And now... I don't know if it's right to cancel him over something he did in a, you know, charged up culture, whenever the interview was like 15, 20 years ago. I mean, let's don't do that because we could cancel everybody for anything that went on. You know, Carson would be canceled and everything else. But you, you got to look back at it. You got to say, I wouldn't yell necessarily at Dave Lerman. I would yell at us as a culture to say, why are we not more outraged about that? Where we treat Jennifer Aniston as this like sexual object, other than just another person? You know what I mean? And you know, it's it, it it's weird. Our culture has changed where that was more accepted back then. And so I guess what I'm saying is let's not cancel everybody from that culture 20 years ago, but let's make changes now. Mickey Calloway is a different story because what happened with Mickey Calloway wasn't just 20 years ago. It allegedly happened months ago, which is definitely, you know, that should be tolerated anytime, but definitely in today's culture, that shouldn't be tolerated at all. Well, you know, and he just, you know, it makes it uneasy because, you know, 
I think women in sports reporting would already tell you they have an uphill climb to get where they are because it's a male dominated profession, but then to have to, you know, deal with a, a, a coach or, you know, anybody on an athletic team that believes they have the ability or the power or the right to, to hit on them or to send them naked photos or to, you know, pressure them into something, you know, that's not right. And that just, it makes it challenging. I mean, if I was a female, I don't know that I'd want to be a reporter after hearing some of the things that they're, you know, they've been subjected to and how they're treated by organizations or by players or whatever it may be, because, the, you know, they're unfairly treated. And, you know, Mickey Calloway is just, you know, the tipping point probably of all of that. Who knows how many other people have, you know, sent stuff or harassed reporters or hit on reporters or done whatever they've done just because they feel like they can because there's a nice young looking reporter that comes into the locker room after a game when people are in towels or people are just walking around with their shirts off or whatever it may be and they feel like they can exert this 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 force and this power over them it's just it's just ridiculous and i know this mickey calloway story can't be the only thing that you know ever comes out of all of this i hope more people come forward and and right you know, it's it's sad that this woman had to wait. You know, the, the initial reporter had to wait until she wasn't really working in you know the profession anymore to to speak out. But unfortunately, I think a lot of people probably believe they can't work in the profession and, and speak out because it would, you know, maybe impact their job or you know their status or you know the way people look at them after they go into the locker room the first time after they speak out. So hopefully, there's a, a way that maybe you know we can have you know anonymous hotline or something like that where sports allow you know reporters you know male or female that feel like they're being you know sexually harassed to speak out on the matter or if they're receiving inappropriate messages from players you know things like that so hopefully you know there's something that can be done on this and maybe a hotline anonymous hotline or you know anonymous reporting can maybe take the lead on that well, and for those of you who are looking for old clips, like a fireman or Carson, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at that, yeah, these are good examples of, of how we've treated or mistreated women in the past. But let's take these lessons and look at situations that are still happening today, you know, with the Mickey Calloway situation or other situations come up, and let's be proactive today. I mean, hey, I'm a big history buff. You know, I can watch history movies all day long and everything else, but it to really be a fan of history, you got to learn from history, apply it to today and say, hey, this crazy crap that happened 30 years ago, okay, let's apply today and make sure it doesn't happen again. And so we need to be more proactive about that. And it sounds like, you know, stuff's happening in the Callaway situation. I, I got to tell you, Craig, I feel horrifyingly bad, especially for women sports reporters, because there needs to be women sports reporters. We need to be diverse and everything. Absolutely. I, I, I think the hard thing is, Especially when it comes to TV, sometimes, okay, a woman's sports reporter is hired based on their looks. And it's sad because women just want to do their job. But, you know, a lot of times the TV audience looks at it as, oh, man, she's a good-looking woman. When they're like, no, no, I'm here to do my job. Right. But then at the same level, TV executives look at it and say, hey, you know, I'd rather have this really attractive woman because she's attractive than, you know, Chris or Craig covering our games. You know what I mean? And it's it's a really horrifying double standard because, hey, I, if I'm hiring someone for a job, I want to hire the best person, the person right. that does the greatest job and the person that's engaging and everything else like that, 
man, woman, or whatever the person might be. Um, and I think that's a woman who go into sports want to hear too. But I think at the same time, you've got executives that say, man, you know, there's incentives for hiring attractive women. So even though we're doing a much better job at that at this time, at the same time, it kind of goes back on women in bad ways too. Does that make sense? Hopefully I'm not saying stuff horrible. No, yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's unfortunate that this double standard exists. And like you said, you know, these women are, are great at their job and they just want to do their job and they don't want to be judged based on what they're wearing on the sidelines or what they're, you know, how they're perceived because they're a female in sports that it's just, you know, people need to get over their, their sexism in sports. It just, it just baffles me that, you know, people can't understand that men and women both can know sports the same, the same amount and they can know every sport, you know, whether it's hockey or basketball or football, the same, and, you know, and, and, and are as educated on, on sports as anybody else. So I, hopefully people just get over it. And, but unfortunately, like I said, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg with the Mickey Calloway stuff coming out. I'm sure that many other women, unfortunately, would be able to come through and say, I've been sexually harassed by an athlete or a coach or a GM or whatever it may be. It's unfortunate, but I guarantee that it exists. And, you know, it's, it's the, the bad thing is, is that while it happens, they feel uneasy easy or un or, or job and that just shouldn't be the case it should not happen that way if something happens i i would hope that they would feel confident to be able to report it as it happens instead of having to wait until after they're out of the profession or whatever and, right you know but well, that's where maybe an anonymous tip line comes in or reporting or whatever it may be um to where you can get some protection on that too and i've been impressed especially recent years i mean i think the quality of um female sports journalism has gone way up. I mean, even more than it's been in the past. Um, I'm an NFL guy. I think of, like, Diana Rossini from ESPN, who does a great job. I mean, she breaks stories. I mean, it's not just she's there because she's a woman by Amy. She does a wonderful job. Right. I, I get afraid, though, at the same time, of are people looking at a Diana Rossini or fill in the blank for your, your favorite, you know, female sports journalist out there, and sitting there saying, you know, I want to look at her you know, you know, Mickey Calloway offending woman way instead of looking at her to say, hey, she's a great sports reporter too. Right. So, so it's tough because, again, you can look at it two ways. You can say, well, because they're going to be harassed for have women sports journalists. No, they do a great job. Yeah. Down this time, you've got guys allegedly, which it's probably not as alleged anymore, but, you know, I guess you still use that with Mickey Calloway and say, look, they're going through tough times, you know, based on creeps like Mickey Calloway, but what do you do? You, know, you can't yeah. just bar women's journalists either. So how do you <laughs> it's a tough line to cross. So yeah. Well it's appalling. It's appalling too. I mean I don't you know you can see Twitter. No, I'm not saying that that male sports reporters or sportscasters don't get, you know, somewhat harassed on on Twitter or anything, but like I've seen posts from Sarah Spain, you know, ESPN reporter where she's, I mean, it's just appalling what some of these people say about her and other female sports reporters that they wouldn't dare say about a male sports reporter. It's just appalling to read some of that. I can't imagine what goes through their head, 
you know, thinking like, this is how people perceive me, or this is how some people perceive me, or this is how threatening people get towards me on Twitter of all places, just because they're a woman talking about sports, which is just so ridiculous that people would think that Sarah Spain, who's Cornell educated, an athlete in her own right, that she can't talk about sports because she's a woman. It's just ridiculous, and it needs to just stop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the sad thing is, we're we're creepy, the creepy old man, you know, type of society. I mean, you know, I I've had loved ones, friends that, you know, I, I don't look at them as Mickey Cowley, but they've admitted to me, they're like, hey, I like watching this newscast or sports cast because I like this woman; she looks great. You know, I'm like, you know, come on, hey, well, and we're we're human beings. I mean. Okay, let's go completely opposite way. I mean, we can say, hey, this person is good looking and this person is not good looking. But when you take that to the extreme where you're just judging someone based on their looks or you're just right. judging somebody based on that, <clears throat> that, that that's what gets tough. And hey, I'm with you. It, it, it's very creepy. It's got to stop. And I don't know the answer, but the answer is definitely not saying, hey, women shouldn't be in the sports world. I mean, they should be. And it, but it's tough where when the Mickey Callaway situation happens, it's uncalled for. And I think that's where sports really needs to take a look and say, hey, we got to get that out of here where, you know, this can't happen anymore. You know, people, you can't send naked pictures or pictures of certain parts of your body to people. And it's not even just if you're an athlete to sports journalist, it's anybody. You shouldn't do that. You know, it, it's not right. And, and no one should cover for it, and it's wrong. It's awful. So, right. I don't know. It's again. If you go back to the treat others the way you want to be treated, and that goes with if you're a podcaster, if you're a, a journalist, if you're making Big Mac say and McDonald's. You know, if, if we could just start treating others the way we want to be treated, I think life gets better. But unfortunately, we're in a Simple, <laughs> horrible situation times, which makes it tough. Well, I don't know if we solved the uh, answers here, but it, it was a good conversation. Yeah. I, I, you know, thanks for. Uh, I didn't even send you the story, but you know, it was something that made, made me think. Uh, Craig, I wanted to also talk about this. This isn't super high related, but hey, we all love our candy in Ohio. Um, I got a little bit confused by this story. Reese's peanut butter cups. There's a limited run of direct from the factory Reese's peanut butter cups. So, Craig, don't go. And again, we're in a pandemic, Craig. So, stop going to Speedway and getting your Reese's peanut butter cups for twenty nine ninety nine. Okay, you can get a two and a half pound box of Reese's peanut butter cups straight from the factory, and you get shipping for free. Now, Craig, I'm not a huge candy guy, but Reese's peanut butter cups are the only thing that makes me think a little bit. I mean, okay. And, and you wonder, 30 bucks for candy is that much? Well, they're saying um, you can get a four pound box of Reese's peanut butter cups uh, at 26 bucks from Amazon. Um, but, but is it yeah. fresh? Is it yes. the direct from factory fresh? Well, here's the one thing I'm wondering. Yes, the article is talking about it's fresh. It's direct from the factory. How fresh is fresh from the factory? <clears throat> well, apparently they say that this stay it's with stay cool packaging, but 
apparently they say that if it's if it's direct from the factory, the biggest difference is that the peanut butter is still is still moist, which. I mean, I don't know if that's like a deal breaker for people. I mean, I, you know, but I think this is their way of trying to like say that they're better. You know, maybe they're seeing a lot of people buy the 50, you know, the 3.8 pound box of peanut butter cups from Amazon or something. And they want to try to, you know, even though they're selling this for more, even though it's less food, but it's more expensive. I think there's a, a a big profit margin to probably be made on this, so they're probably saying, "Well, this is actually fresh, and the peanut butter's moist, and it'll be better." Which I don't know that that's the case. Maybe maybe some I don't know if people are like pining over, you know, moist peanut butter inside their their Reese cup or whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, I think this is probably their way of saying, "Hey, this is this is pretty you know pretty popular on Amazon, maybe and." We, we want to try to undercut it while making a bigger profit margin and say, well, this is fresh from the factory. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know where there's a Reese cup factory around this area, but I mean, I, I don't know. And, and plus if you get this gigantic box as two and a half pounds of, of Reese cups, I mean, do you have to eat them all at once for them to be fresh or do they stay fresh? Can you keep them in this box for an extended period of time? Because I doubt anybody's going to eat two and a half, half pounds of Reese cups in a, you know, in a couple of days or weeks or whatever. Yeah. I'm, because, hey, I'm tempted. I mean, you know, I, I like some of that, but boy, I'm not sure. I mean, like two and a half pounds, I would be tempted to eat them all at one time. And yeah, I'm not going to eat two and a half pounds of candy one day, but man, uh, what's your favorite candy bar? Uh, my favorite candy bar is Butterfinger. Um, okay, but yeah, I mean, if 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 Butterfinger came out and said, "Hey, we're going to send out whatever, even if it's just one Butterfinger from the factory, and you pay a little bit more, but it'll be fresh," and I don't really care. I mean, you either like the candy bar or you don't. Maybe there are people that obsess over, you know, maybe there's a way to like, you know, put it in the fridge or something so it cools down, and maybe the peanut butter gets, you know, moist inside of the the Reese cup and they've discovered that people will pay for that. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure someone will buy this. That's a, a Reese cup lover, but at the end of the day, you either like the, the candy bar or not because you probably bought it at the shelf one time and you ate it and you liked it. And you just went back for, for more over the years. So, you know, I think this is probably just a way of saying that the Amazon selling is doing really well and they want to try to undercut that and make a bigger profit and just say that it's fresh. That's my take yeah. on it. Yeah, and I, I kind of just question, in theory, who's buying two and a half pounds of candy at one time? I mean, right. I guess if you need your candy bar fix, it, yeah. that is an option because, hey, I haven't really bought candy bars that much at all over the past year. Um, but if I wanted candy, I would definitely go to Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I, but, but, yeah, I don't think it's physically possible to eat two and a half pounds of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups in a day. But I would be tempted to eat a lot more than I would if I didn't have a two and a half pound box in my on my shelf. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I thought that was kind of intriguing. But maybe, yeah. well, I'll put it this way, and I know it's a different question than the fresh question. Would you buy a two and a half pound box of Butterfingers? Because you're like, hey, you know, I'm not going to be at the gas station quite as much. I may not go inside the gas station. Here's my way of doing it. I mean, is that appealing at all? No, no, I mean, you know, 
well, look, you know, and I certainly look like I like candy bars, and I do, but I, I after a while, you just kind of get a little sick of it, too. I mean, I like pink, I like Reese Cups, but I don't like them all the time, and that's like with any candy bar though i mean there there's very there's very few things you know candy wise that say i would eat that every day i can't eat a candy bar every day i just don't like candy bars that right. enough to do that and if you get like a tw if you get two and a half pounds i don't know how many that equates to in terms of the number of of actual cups but you know I, maybe you're getting it for a family or for a, a whatever i guess you know you know, and, and it'll be eaten up over the course of a week because you have so many kids or whatever it may be. But yeah, I, I'm not ever going to buy like three pounds. I, I've gone to Sam's Club and you see the big, you know, the big candy bar packs that they sell that, that are like 15, 20 bucks that have like a big box full of candy bars. But I don't know. I'm just not into that so much. I, I just, I, I mean, you know, as much as I love Butterfinger, I don't want to eat Butterfinger every time I eat a candy bar. Yeah. I wonder if you could discipline yourself. Like if you say, hey, and I'm not even talking about just for kids. I'm talking about like for yourself. If you say, hey, you know, twice a week I'm going to have a candy bar. And I guess if you have it there, maybe it makes more sense. I, I don't know. It, it's just weird. I It's like, uh, what was the old, was the Ford thing where to stop an obsession, you put like five million of that obsession in you in a room and you get sick of it after you see a lot of it. I mean, I, I'm kind right. of thinking more of like that. Like, I love pizza, but if I had 500 pizzas in my fridge, you know, well, I'd be like, "What am I doing here?" And I stop right. eating pizza, you know. Uh, <laughs> so maybe, maybe it's good. So, like, your wife is like, "Oh man, Craig's eating way too many butterfingers." Yeah. Maybe your wife should buy that. Not that you're going to eat it, but you're going to be like, "Oh, what am I doing with my life?" You know, enough butterfingers. Right. So maybe it should be more of a detriment than a. Right. Hey, you know, go hog wild and eat a bunch of candy. I don't know. Maybe, maybe their marketing ploy should be, you know, how do you eat your Reese cup? You know, I mean, do you know are people uh, knife and forkers like Seinfeld? You know, do they oh jeez, yeah. fork out and cut it up and eat it all sophisticated? Do they, you know, cut it in half? Do they just take a big chunk out of it? Do they eat the top or eat the bottom? I mean, you know, maybe they should do something like that and see. Are you a knife and fork candy bar guy, Chris? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Danny Terrible is so. Maybe. Yeah, our Seinfeld podcast. We got to that program, and Lauren and I spent some time talking about the weird stuff you eat with forks and everything. Yeah. It, it's just weird. It's a, it's a tough world. Yeah. There, so. yeah. All right. Well, hey, I think we've been through everything we're going to talk about today. Um, uh, thanks for checking us out. Um. Hopefully, I'll bring him back tomorrow. He was feeling a little bit under the weather today. Um, but, yeah, again, check out our sponsors, um, Chase Bank, uh, Dropbox, Manly Man Company. Um, thank you for sh subscribing. Thank you for sharing. We appreciate it. It's been fun uh, br bringing the podcast to you, and we love uh, just having fun with it, and uh, we love having you a part of it as well. And as always, check out our interviews that go along with the podcast. Again, Megan Henry, uh, Craig, I, I won't go into a five-minute discussion like I did yesterday, but um, I got asked to interview Alex Henry Foster. Um, he's a guy who leads a, a really popular alternative band in Canada. And we talked for a while, and it, it was fun. Enjoyed it. We've got that podcast up. Subscribe. There's a bunch of stuff that gets 
thrown in our podcast for you today. Um, and again, thanks for checking out our podcast. Um, Craig, any other shout-outs before we go? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, for Craig, this is Chris, and this is the Ohio Podcast. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, bye-bye.